And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. If you're catching us on YouTube, you'll see the smiling face of one Julian McKenzie. What? Why are you? Are you grinning? Because in the last few days, Julian, the Dallas Cowboys have imploded and the Toronto Maple Leafs seem to be following suit. Like, stop. You, you have such stop. a big grin on your face. Stop, stop, stop. So I'm going to stop you right there, Ian Mendez. What we are not going to do is, is put me on blast as some kind of Toronto Maple Leafs hater, knowing damn well the other podcast that I do features a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans who listen to it. You are not going to do that to me, sir. You could not be more wrong. I am not smiling for anyone's demise today. Don't do this. Oh do this. man, I tried to. I no, tried to lure you in. You tried. You uh, tried. You tried that. No, no, okay, no. no. Then, I. You know what's funny? Uh, no, I was smiling because I love hearing your voice on the intro. Oh I yeah. Get to do this podcast with my friend, and I was in a great <laughs> mood to start off my Wednesday. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you just decided to say, "Hey, Toronto fans." My co-host hates you. No, no. No, no. I think people <laughs> appreciate. Remember we talked about cheering for the story as reporters? Yes. Yes. Is there a more interesting story than when the Dallas Cowboys and the Toronto Maple Leafs and maybe the New York Yankees and whoever else you want to put on the list, when they are in a state of chaos, it's kind of fun to watch with a big, like you just make a big old bag of microwave popcorn. And you sit back and look, the Maple Leafs, they get that, what, Austin Matthews, like 30 seconds into the game. You're like, here yeah. we go. Matthews, McDavid. Then they're up 2 nothing. And I'll tell you, they've had an issue here. It happened against the Avalanche. happened against the Red Wings. They're blowing leads. And, it, like, I don't know what to think because you look at their regulation time wins and they're hanging out with the worst teams in the league. Like, they, they have are. no business being in a playoff spot. And so, like, I guess I ask you this. The last five years, Julian, we have listed the Maple Leafs as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, right? Fair to say, last five years, Absolutely, you would yeah. roll in and say, put Toronto with Tampa, Boston, and whoever else you want to put on that kind of the higher, the top of the list. Is that done? Are they... Are they no longer are, – are, have we downgraded them to playoff contender from Stanley Cup contender? It's so hard applying those labels to these types of teams because hockey in itself is so unpredictable. 
I, in fact, I was I was talking with a, a couple of Leafs friends yesterday, and I made the point that in spite of whatever they're feeling right now and how it, it's remember it's the fans that feel chaotic and the team you're seeing on the ticker if you're watching on YouTube here, Mitch Marner more or less downplayed whatever frustrations they might be feeling, saying they're not frustrated. It's the fans who feel their team should be more uh, heightened and, and and feeling more of that chaos. They're feeling all this right now, and people are wondering if they're just a mid-team, if they're not good enough, but then if they make the playoffs as a wild card and then go on a run a la Florida Panthers from last year, that's just how it works in the NHL. Like I, I have such a hard time applying or or taking away that label because all the all the Toronto Maple Leafs really need is a hot couple of weeks later on this year. As long as they don't fall out of a playoff spot, they have as good of a chance as any is still winning the cup for whatever reason. It's just we have seen Charlie Brown try to kick the football so many times with Lucy holding it, and we've seen Lucy pull back the football only for Charlie Brown to embarrass himself. This team just finds ways to embarrass itself at so many key moments. Of course, if you want to take away that Stanley Cup contender label from them, sure, they haven't looked like it this year. A lot of the moves that Brad Tree Living has made as GM, uh, bringing in guys like, like Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, they just have not worked for this organization. But for me to just kind of sit up here and be like, man, like this, this team is this team sucks. You take away this cup contender label. I don't want to look like an idiot in April. I don't want to look like a dummy if they win two series in a row. And then you met you mentioned a lot of fans love to dunk on these teams, these big teams like a Toronto, like a Dallas Cowboys, like a New York Yankees. And especially when they're not playing well, could you imagine if we all as a collective hockey world said that the Leafs have lost this illustrious cup status that we gifted to them for the last how many years they get in as a wild card and they win the next two rounds you know how insufferable producer jeff would be for the next how many weeks of the show and leafs fans you're not going to get that answer out of me what i will say is this they do need to figure out what's going on with the team they have right now they need to figure out what's going on with these leads in terms of their actual status it might be too early to dictate what they really are because we've just seen in this league with so many teams that have that label get cut down to size way earlier than they should. I am. Uh, you know, listen, you're going to sit on the fence because you don't want Toronto fans coming back at you. No, I'm, I'm going. I'm not, I'm I'm do going not want in. the fans Julian. at me. No, you're going in on oh. the 17th of January. It's fair to say, it. and all we can do, all you can do is live in the moment. I'm not worried about, oh, how am I going to feel in April? We'll get to April when we get to April on the 17th of January. They are not a Stanley Cup contender. They are not. You you cannot convince me that the but way there's that so much played, time in a season. I okay, don't get that, it. Like, yeah, it's, but, it's January. Sure. Like, like, but so it, so then then why do we do anything? By that logic, we shouldn't do any analysis. We should just sit back and say, wait till the eighty-two games are done. We can only take snapshots. I'm not saying you can't make We're analysis through. in the moment. But I'm not saying you can't make analysis in the moment. I'm just saying that like. There's like three months before the playoffs begin, right? And there's and so, still time we'll, for them to we'll, figure we'll it circle out. Circle back, like, like if the if the Leafs go on like a like the Leafs can go on like a five or six game winning streak. I know they still have a whole bunch of other games left on this Western so, Conference trip, but they can go on this winning streak, and we're just gonna be like, yeah, remember when they sucked like a couple weeks ago? This happens with this team in particular so many times, where 
they go through these peaks and they look really good. And then they fall down. They go through these valleys and everyone freaks out. And then you go up again. Then you go down again. Then you go up again. Then you go down again. And then they go in the playoffs and then they, 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 they wet themselves. I'm not even a Leafs fan. We only have, I only have to follow the Leafs because that's my job for work and just following the league. Following the Leafs and seeing the fans just freak out over everything is exhausting. Like, I think the part, you're right. Me being on the fence, yeah, I don't want Leafs fans in my mention saying, hey, I'm wrong. Another part of me is just like, I want to give my brain a break because like, I can't, I can't just keep up with the energies up here with this team. And again, I'm not a fan, just like, it's so much. It feels like every time they go on a losing streak, like it feels like the end of the world. There is no other NHL franchise that whose fan base feels this way about any loss right now and ever. Not, not, not Canadians fans, not even Oilers fans. It's the Leafs and their, their psychotic, paranoid nature and everyone else. It's exhausting to get swept up in stuff like this, even as media people. It really is. I would exchange the word exhausting for fun. And I would say, I, again, and I can say this as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I get it. Everybody hates us as Dallas Cowboys fans, and that's that's life. That's how you, uh, you, you, you choose. Look, I think it's funny. It's weird. I don't know. Or maybe funny or weird is not the right word. Since they signed, since they signed Nylander, four games, four losses, zero points for Nylander. It's like, oh no! Like, like it's I, I don't, so I don't funny. say it's a bad, it's bad. So funny. I'm just saying, but you're right. It is funny because William Nylander was playing his playing the lights out for a good chunk for a good chunk of the season, and they signed him to that contract. No points. It's isn't it very Leafs of that to happen? Yeah, a player who was playing so well, and people are wondering, oh man, like that that AAV is just going up. The more that he plays, as soon as they lock that guy up, he's happy to be a Leaf forever, haggling over whatever money on the table. As soon as they sign that deal, a four game point strap. This is so Leafs. This is so. This is so them. Well, it's crazy. Look, look, look. Let's give some air time to the team that beat them and ran their winning streak to 11, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, in Dom's model, he's got the Oilers with the best statistical probability now of winning the Stanley Cup. Think about where the Oilers were in, in late October and in November. And here they are, 11 straight wins for the Oilers. They have the best uh, statistical probability in Dom's model of winning the Stanley Cup. They've won 11 in a row. And man, quite frankly, Julian, I think if you were if you were to say, I got to pick one team to hitch my wagon to, again, this is the January 17th conversation, not in April. In April On April 17th, we'll have the conversation because on November 17th, it's always, it's an evolving fluid conversation. January yeah. 17th, boy, it's hard not to say that Edmonton's the team to beat right now in the entire league. And that includes Winnipeg, Vancouver, the Rangers, and, and like whoever else you want to put on, on the top of the heap, it's hard not to say that if you had to, to pick somebody to win a best-of-seven series right now, it wouldn't be the Edmonton Oilers. Which is funny because, yes, they have the best players in the world, but it feels like every other year we've nitpicked at their defense and we've nitpicked yep. at their goaltending. But it just feels as if everything has gone right 
for this organization over these last 11 wins. We're talking about Zach Hyman as this like bordering superstar player with how he's been playing. It's been insane to see how 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 Zach Hyman has stepped up for his team. But of course, you have guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl stepping up. It's going to make a world of difference for the Edmonton Oilers. And if you pick them as a cup contender to start off the year, as you pick them as a team to make it to the Stanley Cup final, I got to say, uh, you look pretty good, at least with that. There was a time when a lot of people had the Oilers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Those were the two teams that were supposed to be in the Stanley Cup final. Carolina, eh, not so much now. Maybe goaltending is a bit of a question. But the Edmonton Oilers, I, I, I sort of expect them to be a top three team in that division now. That's what it's come to. They've been so good that I, like, I, I think them missing the playoffs, something would have to go horribly wrong. Or you could argue whatever was supposed to go horribly wrong came early enough for this team, and they've dug themselves out of that hole. I still think it's one of the more impressive things we've seen, and it ultimately helps Connor McDavid's MVP case. Nothing, Julian, is more impressive to me than the Philadelphia Flyers. Look, we figured the Flyers would be a bottom five, bottom 10 team. Maybe if everything went well, maybe they finished 20th, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, they're in second place in the Atlantic, in, in the Metro division. And oh, wow. they got, they got a super balanced attack. I was just, you know, double like Owen Tippett's having a sneaky good year. He's got 16 goals. Uh, Farabee's got 15 goals. Uh, like they're balanced. They're, they're not this like sort of top heavy team. Uh, Tortorella's got, uh, the goaltending that he, I think he needs and wants. They got a 9-10 save percentage. You know, I think a month ago, Flyers fans were split. They were like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be better to miss the playoffs and get another get another pick and, and let's build this thing up. Man, Julian, I, I'm a believer. I think when, when opportunity presents itself, I think you have to lean into it. And I think you have to just accept the fact that you might be a playoff team. And, and I'm not saying you need to trade your first round pick and go all in, but I think Flyers fans should enjoy this now. Like don't, don't feel conflicted anymore. Like we're at the halfway point of the season. Maybe, maybe it won't last, but enjoy it. Like enjoy it because success in this league is fleeting. You never know how long it's going to last. And if it's an there's nothing more fun in sports than an unexpected magical season. And that's what's happening yeah. in Philadelphia. So enjoy it. It, it, it. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. And maybe you get bounced in the first round or second round, whatever. But enjoy it because it's a freebie. You didn't expect this. That, that's how I come down on it. This is the fun part of being a rebuilding team. You've definitely seen it with the Ottawa Senators in some fashion. Uh, there are a lot of, of fans who desperately want that with their team where they decide that they're not a contending team. They take the steps to get better players through the draft and, and commit to just kind of building themselves up. And when the team overperforms, yeah, fine. Maybe you, you, you hurt yourself in terms of getting a so-called better draft pick, but also it's a draft lottery. Like it's, it's a crapshoot yeah. to begin with, but for, for a team like Philadelphia, where we kind of thought they'd be in the muck for a little while for them to, overperform it's I, I'm, I'm using the word overperform here because as of now they're four points back in the metro division behind the rangers that's one of the best teams in the eastern conference like they're one point up on carolina who's back in the top three spot in in the metro division like this is a this is a lot better than i ever expected and it just 
again, builds up to, well, not again, but John Tortorella, a guy who it seems almost everywhere he's gone, he is going to take that lemon and he's going to squeeze out as much juice as he can get to get the best out of the lemon. And in this, in this case of an analogy, the team, this just adds to his resume. And if you're a Flyers fan, your team is playing better. You have Jamie Drysdale on the team. I mean, I, I haven't been able to keep track on how well he's been doing with the Flyers, but it seems like your younger players are going along well, unfortunately, with the cutter Goche situation, but you're able to move on. And Matt Mitchkov, when this team is real good and ready, should be able to come over and make an impact for your team. If you're a Flyers fan right now, you're right. You should have fun. You should take it and try and just enjoy it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to chat about Pierre Lebrun's column uh, this week, uh, Julian, that, that I believe dropped on, on Wednesday. And that is, and we talked about Marc-Andre Fleury on Tuesday, yeah. that, that Flower had passed Patrick Waugh, second all-time in wins. What a great story. We talked, chatted with Mike Russo about it. Uh, Lebrun has the idea that, look, if the Wild continue to kind of just be mid and they're not a playoff team, maybe, maybe, Marc-Andre Fleury is in play. And, and LeBron floats out a couple of uh, destinations. Now, a couple of them are obvious, and we always talk about this. Whenever somebody needs a goalie, you think of New Jersey, you think of Carolina. They need goaltending yeah. help. Uh, but he also mentioned the two teams that played each other in that highly uh, anticipated game on Tuesday. That's Edmonton. That's Toronto. And Pierre LeBron pointed out in his, in his piece, Julian, that a couple of years ago, Fleury was willing to waive his no trade to go to Toronto. Never came to fruition, but he was willing. So, look, this isn't the Fleury from five years ago. He's not a 930 save percentage guy. His save percentage is a little bit under 900. But I wonder if if a Toronto or a Carolina or New Jersey or whoever traded for Fleury, does just that, that swagger having him there as an insurance policy and the experience, is that the value? Or do you think, actually, we're going to hand the keys to him and he is going to be our guy? It's a good question. Uh, he's playing the role he's playing in Minnesota for a reason. He's not the same goaltender that we've seen at his peak. I would think he'd be more insurance. I, I, I give goaltending insurance if you need it. Compared to some of the other goalies we've discussed yesterday, guys like uh, Jacob Markstrom or an Elvis Merzlikens, Marc-Andre Fleury is so much more affordable at 3.5 mil, uh, and that contract expires at the end of the year. Like That's 
a much more palatable contract to take in compared to a much more expensive goalie. So if you do, if you're able to move on from if you're the Minnesota Wild, if you have to do that and you're a team that's in need of goaltending, is he the one A? Is he the one you need for your team? That remains to be seen. He would have to probably play a little bit better in order for you to have that confidence or you have to have a really good team in front of him where you know if you put him in, it doesn't matter what happens. He could he could help you lead your team to glory. But tell you what, it seems like he'd be a much more cost-effective option than some of the other goaltenders out there. You know, I thought it was really interesting. I think Darren Dreger was the first to float this out about 10 days ago. Now it's gained some traction. That Trevor Zegris's name might be in play. I love the piece that Shana Goldman did saying, okay, first of all, like why would the Ducks trade him? What are his numbers looking like? And then Shana threw out a handful of teams. You know, Philadelphia, I think people make sense because I think it makes sense. Drysdale and him were tight. Maybe they they reunite in Philly. Uh, yeah, they're you know, the, the national trade partners. Yeah, Montreal might make sense. They're kind of in a rebuild looking for a dynamic guy. I think Chicago, you think, okay, what would be good about Chicago is he could go in and he's not the guy, right? Bedard is the guy. He can go, kind of slide in. And then there's Boston is floated out by by Shayna. Um, if if Trevor Zegers is indeed available, how many NHL teams, how many general managers should pick up the phone and call Pat Verbeek? Is it all 31? Is it just a handful? Is it like, in your estimation, if you that's think Zegers is in play, and you know Calgary's a great example. They're they're a team that's kind of right in the middle. How many teams should be in on Zegers? It really depends on how those general managers feel about Zegers as a talent. Like, what's his ceiling? This guy's like what twenty two years old, and we, we've we've hyped him up because of the the dish. The, the, remember the Michigan? Remember when we talked to Mike Legg about the Michigan a couple years ago, and it was all because of of the great goal he put together with Sonny Milano. And he does the lacrosse style goal himself. He shows the flashes, but it feels as if we're still waiting on him to take that next step in terms of being a truly elite player. The thing is, is that he's a, still a super young talent. So there's time before he can, you know, eventually ascend to, to, to the heights of being an elite player. So if you're a team like Montreal, uh, where I, I feel as if as soon as the idea was first floated around, about like a week or two ago, that Trevor Zegers could be made available. I've seen Montreal people already get into their, to their little trade machine starting to put together deals. I saw someone, uh, I'm not saying this was a, like a legit rumor or anything. I even yeah. saw someone say like, hey, do you flip Caden Gooley, one of their young defensive prospects oh, he's so on that good. team who's, who's so good? Do you flip him to Anaheim for Trevor Zegers? That's a market that's already thinking, does that make sense? I don't, I, I don't know if every GM in the league should be doing it, but I'll say this. I think the interest in the teams that put themselves in there tells you a lot, will tell you a lot about whether or not they view this guy as an elite talent. I, I like the Chicago idea. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of Chicago game better for any reason, and I completely understand that. But there is a part of me that is intrigued at the idea of Chicago trying to establish some sort of continuity with the players that they've signed in, in terms of, of Nick Felino and Jason Dickinson just to surround Connor Bedard. And then Carter Bedard has a guy like Trevor Zegers, who has a lot of skill, is a young player, can relate to Connor in some way. And a little older, you could probably put him on game two, but he 
doesn't have to be the guy. Like he can just be a star player while riding shotgun or playing second fiddle to one Connor Bedard. Like that seems like a really intriguing idea. It all depends on that cost too. I can imagine if you're Anaheim, you're not letting this guy go for 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 cheap. You're probably you're 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 hyping up the fact that he could still be a star talent, and you're trying to get as many you're trying to get picks and prospects back for a type of player of his caliber. I wonder what would be more interesting to you that Zegras ends up in Chicago with Bedard and you can Man. guarantee that they they call that the Lake Michigan goal if he starts scoring it there. Okay? <laughs> you can guarantee that. Okay. Absolutely. So you, you get Zegras and Bedard or Zegras and John Tortorella. If you remember when Zegras and Sonny Milano teamed up for that goal, Torts was an ESPN analyst. He, he originally was. said that's not good for the game. Now, in Torch's defense, or to his credit, he walked it back later on. He's since said, hey, look, it, it's good. The creativity is good. I like the kid, blah, blah, blah. But like, he did originally say it's not good for the game. What would be more interesting from a let's, let's fire up that microwavable popcorn again and sit back, Zegers with Bedard or Zegers with Torch? It's Zegers with Torch because... <laughs> It, it has to be that. Like Zegers or Bedard would be cool because you have two young players come together and and you're hyping them up. If you're ESPN, you probably love that in a market like Chicago. Two young players, two recognizable young players in the same market. Zegers and Torts, we're into the generational gap between those two people. Zegers is the cool young guy with the flow. He's been on the cover of any of an NHL video game already. He's doing cool tricks in games. Could you imagine Trevor Zegers trying to do some lacrosse style goal in a game and it doesn't work. And John Tortorella talks about it post game. What would John Tortorella say? He wouldn't answer the question. He would. Oh my God. It would be, it he would wouldn't be television. It. it would be prime television and fodder for all of us. God. But Hey, maybe it works out. Maybe John Tortorella is like, you know, he befriends the kid and like, he's like, man, he's a good player. He's just, he's, he's, he's taught me so many things. What if like, because like what he's like 20, he's in his young 20s. So that would make what Gen Z, I guess. Like, what if like Trevor Zegers is trying to put John Tortorella onto words like Riz and stuff? That would that's what would make me laugh. Oh I would love God. to build a relationship between those two to a point where <laughs> imagine just a coach like John Tortorella be learning Gen Z words like Riz. Yeah, the kids got Riz. Kids got kids Riz. Got, um if he said yeah. Riz in a press conference, that would be the press conference of the year. Like John Tortorella trying to explain what Riz is. Oh, man. That would be like Bob Cole. Remember back in the day, Snoop Dogg at the Stanley Cup final did an interview with Scott Oak. Oh, my God. And Scott Oak gives it to Snoop, and Snoop does what Snoop does, and he throws it back to Bob Cole. Of course he does. And Bob Cole, it, it, it's a great little video uh, that, that that people should watch if they get the chance. Uh, that would be like towards saying, uh, Tort saying Riz, in in my opinion. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks are kind of like a little bit, I would say, Julian. Vancouver is like Philadelphia in that I don't think people thought they they are where they, they, they are in the standings. And so Patrick Alvin, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, spoke to the media this week. In fact, I was thinking after reading his comments, uh, Alvin tells uh, reporters, I think we owe it to the players. This is about him being aggressive at the deadline. I think we owe it to the players. We know that they're capable of playing at this high of a level. They continue to do that. It's on me to support them. 
give them opportunities to be successful. I was looking at that and I'm like, that guy should remove the V from his last name because then he would be Patrick all in. That's it. That's what he sounds like, right? He sounds like a general manager who is all in. Do I still have to do this after that pun? Do I still have to do this show? Can I Come go on, home? I got Riz. Oh, sorry, I meant, um, okay, all right. So, you, you got it. You uh, got it. If, you can, like, if this is just going to turn to the Gen Z show, you got it, okay? Don't you, you feel you, you, like you in, like, of all, there's going to be a lot of trade rumors in the next seven weeks. That's just the nature yes. of the trade deadline. It's already started. Don't you feel like, given where they are in the standings, given the passion of that fan base, please screen. Break. Sorry, sorry for those watching. Uh, that that I got Riz, baby producer Jeff. Can you please screen grab this? I need this. I need this screen grab. Don't make me. I I I don't have the capability. I, I can do it myself. But like, please save this. I not sorry screen. to cut you off. Ian Mendez has Riz. I got Riz on baby. the screen. I, um, I repeat, Ian Mendes has Riz. Um, like, Go ahead. Sorry. But I don't you feel like most of the trade rumors are going to involve the Canucks? Like, when you hear if Gensel's in play, it's going to be the Canucks. If, like, if, if you know, Tarasenko's in play, it's going to be the Canucks. Like, they are going to be the team just based on the media interest in that market, the fan base, where they're at. Like, everyone's going to get linked to Vancouver. You know how volatile fans are? They might just do that on their own. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm dead serious on that. If they feel they need a scorer, they, like, that market has enough oxygen between the fans, between the media that covers the team. Thomas Drant's on his own. He's probably firing up a trade board of his own right now. 3,000 words and all talking about how guys like Jake Gensel or some other defenseman available on the market should be made available for the Vancouver Canucks. And I don't blame them. This is an opportunity. They, they have exceeded expectations. They're one of the best teams in the country. They're one of the best teams in the league. This might be their chance to really knock it out the park, especially knowing that they have to hand out money to Elias Patterson at the end of the year. Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of teams connected, uh, a lot of players connected to the Vancouver Canucks. And it's all in what they can afford. It's all in what they're willing to give up. Just off the top of my head, like, yeah, I think a secondary score would probably help. I wonder if they still need help on the defense score. I know they got Nikita Zadorov earlier this year, but maybe they feel that they could add another piece there, but maybe it's more of the secondary scoring uh, that could benefit them. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, why don't we bring in our man, Sean McIndoe. Down goes Brown, senior uh, hockey writer with The Athletic. And, uh, you know, earlier this week, Sean, we were talking about, and I know you weighed in on this on when I tweeted out that the Dallas Cowboys are the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Maple Leafs are the Dallas Cowboys. And we were having some fun with this uh, as much as we could on Monday saying if if you could partner up more NFL teams or more sports franchises with NHL teams, would there actually be any other like I guess the, the Yankees and the Habs maybe back in the day, maybe not so much now, but like are there any more in the buddy system that were like you guys are you guys are spirit animals of each other other than Toronto and Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Toronto and Dallas is a good one. It, Toronto and the Cubs, the Leafs and the Cubs was the one up until 2016. That was your, your best bet. Yeah. Um, boy, I don't know. I mean, who's, who's like the, the who's the Detroit lions of the well, NHL? So like, what did you have discussion earlier this week? I think it, it might be the, the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres. Yeah. I mean, you could see, right? Like that the Sabres would be the team that everyone, or I guess the other one I might throw out there 
doesn't completely fit, but the Winnipeg Jets. And the reason I say that is I, I feel like as an NFL fan, I feel like everyone's on board with the Lions right now. You know, and and yeah. it like it, it's it's if you're if they're not playing your team, yeah, of course you're on board. You're you're rooting for them. And I've always felt like Winnipeg was certainly the only team in Canada that that would be true for. We always do this who's Canada's team debate, and it's always it always feels so dumb because there never is one. Nobody's cheering for the Flames or the Senators, certainly not the Leafs or or the Habs. But I always felt like Winnipeg could be that one team, and they're obviously a lot closer than Buffalo right now to being uh, the team that can maybe get to that place where, where Detroit is. But uh, yeah, boy, there's, there's a few out there. Buffalo might be more Cleveland Browns right now. Hate to say it, but they might be, they might be closer to that, uh, that level. And it's probably some Sabres fans who wish they were the Cleveland Browns right now. At least they made the playoffs. At least they made the playoffs. That's funny. (laughs) Cleveland Browns. I was still, I'm sorry. I get it. The Cleveland Browns are a playoff team. Now I still think of the Cleveland Browns as the Cleveland Browns. They're, they're never going to be more than they're just the Browns. I expect them to fail, kind of like I expect the Cowboys to fail. I'll tell you, if Buffalo and they missed by, by one point of making the playoffs last year, Craig Anderson was Joe Flacco. Yes, yes, right. Yes, the forty yep. something guy. Um, Sean, the Maple Leafs and the Oilers played on Tuesday night. Uh, highly anticipated game. Toronto got out to the two nothing lead. We all know how that uh, that that ended up happening. I go uh, and man, I turned the game off. I've got yeah. a PBR. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna watch the finale. So yeah. don't no spoilers. Don't don't tell me how it ended. Um, Julian and I had a debate, and I said I'm gonna use the old CNN election date, uh, or you know the election tagline. I'm calling it on January 17th. The Toronto Maple Leafs are no longer a Stanley Cup contender. Oh, okay. Now, all now right. I'm willing to concede that this could change in two months, but as of today. The 17th of January, given everything we know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not a Stanley Cup contender. Agree or disagree? I'm sorry. What's the point of going on that tangent and being like, oh, I'm going to stand on business when you can be like, oh, this could change in two months? What's the point? But that's why I said what I said. Like, like, what's the point of me saying, like, man, this seems going to suck, and then they find a way to go on a run? That's exactly why I said what I said. For you to just be like, oh, man, you know, this could change in two months. Like, what? Come on. Anyway, sorry. I, I realize you know I'm cutting what? you off here, but that's just like, come on. I, I hear what you're saying. So so two things to say on this. Number one, uh, Dom had his piece that you guys I'm sure saw where he he went down like all of the contenders. And he talked about how there's there's more contenders this year, it feels like, than most years. Most years, there's by this point, there's five or six teams. You figure, okay, I you know, th- those are the five or six teams I'm banking on. And, and any other team kind of would the goalie gets hot or whatever, you know, maybe it can happen. But it feels like there's 10, 12, 14 teams. Um, boy, the Leafs are on that list, but they, they, especially the way they've looked the last couple of weeks, um, they, they very well may be towards the bottom of it. Now, I'll say this, Ian, you probably saw like my eyes start to light up when you were talking because I thought you were going to go one further. I thought you were calling it that the Maple Leafs are not a playoff team. No. Because I'm not ready to say that. That's very that's possible. That's the too. next level of panic in Toronto. We're about a week away from that. I mean, Detroit has basically caught them. Tampa's right there. There's some games in hand, but they are not a sure thing to even make the playoffs. And uh, that's where I thought you were going. And I was going to say, man, this is this is really uh, this is going to be something else because it could happen, man. I I wrote at the beginning of the year. Some people, you know, I I got some pushback on this, and I said. 
I said I didn't feel like the Leafs were a sure thing to make the playoffs. Not because I thought, you know, I saw a whole bunch of flaws or, you know, not because I didn't think they were one of the 16 best teams, but because I said the way things are and the way that market is, if it goes bad in Toronto, it could go really bad. And for the first few months, I was I was wrong on that. I mean, the first few months, even when the Leafs weren't great, you know, they were they were plugging along, getting all the the overtime points and all of this stuff. Uh, so, you know, you said, well, at least they're safe to make the playoffs. And now it's starting to look like a little bit dicey. The goaltending obviously is, is the big story and, uh, you know, the cap space to, to do anything. We've been waiting on a blue line move and you've got Brad for living who I I'm assuming is aware of what's happening and, and maybe has the potential to, to do something at some point or, or maybe not. Maybe he just wants to stay the course, but boy, it's, it, you know, it, it feels a little early to be talking any panic with the Leafs and, and you're right. And we, I mean, you talk about two months down the road, they, they could run off three wins in a row and we're all sitting there going, you know what? Wow. Classic Toronto, right? We all overreacted and uh, they're fine. But another bad week, two weeks at the most, we're, we're into full fledged panic mode. And I don't think it's contender panic mode. I really do think it's playoff team panic mode. Okay, then I want to know your opinion on what Mitch Marner said after the Oilers game last night. I'll read the quote, the, the big quote that's been floating around on cyberspace and everyone's been losing their minds over. We know we're a great hockey team. We show it every night. These last four games that we've had leads, we've played some awesome hockey, some great hockey. A lot of people, he also mentions uh, that, that his team's not frustrated. Of course, his, he's pissed off, but his team's not frustrated. And it seems like a lot of fans in that fan base they're frustrated, they're upset, and I guess they want their team to reflect that too. How do you see it? How do you analyze that? Yeah, I, I, look, I I agree with some of the people that I saw reacting to that quote saying, look, what do you want him to say? It's Toronto. He's had the media training. Like, yeah, he's going to come out and say, hey, we're, we still think we're a great team. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're staying the course. You know, obviously, if he comes out there and says, man, uh, three blown leads in a row, we stink then that's the headline and everybody's screaming about that. So I, I, it, this to me feels like a guy who is trying to say the right thing, knowing that if he, if he gets off course a little bit, everybody runs with it. Now that having been said, there is also a part of me that wants to pull him aside and be like, dude, read the room right now. Yes. Have your confidence, have, you know, express that you, you, you all still believe in each other and all of this stuff, but don't tell us how you're playing awesome, great hockey. Um, you know, don't, don't tell us how everything's fine. You would love to see, and this is, this has been an issue with this team for a few years now. You'd love to see just a little bit more frustration sometimes. I mean, th this team has for years now felt like they were just a little bit too easy on themselves, a little bit too willing to pat themselves on the back and say, it's all fine. It's good. And, and again, I understand that it is, it is such a fine line. Because as soon as somebody gets a little bit overboard on the criticism, then oh, it, we're breaking into national programming in Canada. Oh, is the Leafs dressing room divided? Does Mitch Marner want out? Does he not believe in this anymore? And you know, and all of this nonsense. I get that. But boy, you'd like to see somebody break a stick every now and then on this team or come out and be and just say it's not good enough. Even if you think the team is good, even if you think we can get back to that level, just say right now it's not good enough and we're a little bit ticked off. Um, I get where Marner's going from. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip him over this and and you know, but I also get where the fans are coming from. And and like I said, it's a little bit of read the room, man. This is this is not what this fan base wants to hear right now.
Um, we spent some time debating whether the Leafs are a Stanley Cup contender, playoff contender. Let's go to the other end of the pendulum and look at the fan bases, uh, Sean, that are firing up Tankathon on a regular yes. basis. And I thought the days of me having Tankathon bookmarked as a beat reporter were done. Last year, I was like, goodbye, Tankathon. It's been fun. Well, it's back. Uh, and a big way. How are the five years of unparalleled success going? Are we in year uh, four? I think that now, was supposed or? to be from 2021 to okay. 2025. Year three. I would still two years to go. There's still good. time. Good. So you're yeah. you're only halfway through. This has been yeah, very man. much paralleled. This is uh, <laughs> um, your piece, uh, Sean. Wednesday in the Athletic looks at the teams that have the best chance of winning that draft lottery come uh, April and, or May, whenever the the draft and, and, is held. And the best odds of getting a lot worse is I guess what I'm looking at. Cause obviously, you know, we can all look at the standing and go, Hey, San Jose stinks. You know, they're, they're probably going to uh, have the best odds, but who, who is it that, and I always frame it this way in a hypothetical alternate universe where teams in the NHL tanked because Gary Bettman tells us it doesn't happen. Gary Bettman has been very clear. This is something the media makes up. Nobody tanks in the NHL, but if they did just for fun, if that was a valid strategy, which teams would be best positioned to do it over the second half now that there's there's about, by my count, 11 teams that should be at least considering it? That That's what I think. It's just a fun hypothetical in a world where Gary Bettman uh, couldn't uh, look us all in the eye and tell us that tanking obviously is a, a made-up creation by the mean, nasty media that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Down goes around. Always makes me laugh. Uh, I I also wanted to ask about another column you wrote. Uh, your weekend rankings. Uh, you uh, added uh, a bonus five of uh, the playoff bubble worry index. The Islanders, mm -hmm. the Capitals are on that list. Uh, can you take us through that list of of teams that are on the bubble for the playoffs that really should be worried about their place? Yeah, and it's I mean worried about their place in the playoffs and and also you know, just, just how things are going. Cause it's an interesting mix right now. We've got, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of teams that are doing great, particularly Western Canada. You've got that time of year where the teams that are doing bad, it starts to maybe change from being a bad thing to a good thing where you say, okay, you know what, let's go chase those uh, lottery odds. And then you got the bubble teams and, and some of them not looking very good, you know, to the, to the extent that you take a team like Vegas that I had ranked, as my Stanley Cup favorite for a big chunk of the year, um, not necessarily in danger of missing the playoffs right now, but not looking at all like a contender. Injuries are part of that, but have not had that record the last little while to the to the extent that the Vancouver Canucks have kind of blown past them now and uh, and look like they're going to take that uh, that division. Um, the the L.A. Kings being another team that you just look at and say, well, you know, what is what is happening with this team? A, a team that I had in my top five quite a bit. Um, you know, they're they're starting to fall apart. Minnesota, a, you know, a team that maybe you don't even consider a bubble team. That's the thing. Some of these teams are are have been so bad lately that you don't even necessarily say, you know, are they even a bubble team? But Bill Guerin says they still are. He says he's not waving the white flag. So, um, boy, you look down the list and there's just some teams that are not headed in the right direction. And it's it's halfway through the season. It happens every year that there's some teams we look back and say, boy, you know, if the playoffs had started in January, this team would have been in trouble, but they don't. They're, the playoffs are still three months away in January. You got lots of time to figure it out. And you do right up until you find yourself starting to miss that uh, playoff spot. And uh, boy, I wrote that a few days ago. I didn't have the least in the five. 
Probably would have them there now. It's uh, it's it's a list. It's tougher to find five. Uh, it, it's tougher to narrow it down to five than it is maybe finding the five uh, legitimate. You feel really great about them, Stanley Cup contenders, right now. Uh, you know what, guys? I realized a little omission here as we were talking about a few minutes ago about NFL teams and their NHL equivalents and vice versa. Uh, we got an email into the Athletic Hockey Show from Emily, who's a listener. And I'm going to float these out to you guys. You tell me if Emily is on the button on a couple of these. Obviously, Dallas and Toronto at the top of the list. Uh, how about this one? This isn't bad. Like This is just the here and the now. Emily says, this year's Green Bay Packers are the 2022-2023 Florida Panthers. Took down one of the top dogs in the league. Now they're facing another uh, juggernaut in the 49ers. Maybe this goes the same way. So Green Bay this year are the Panthers of last year. That's not bad. I mean, the the traditionalists on both sides would probably be tearing their hair out over that, but it's it's not bad, right? And Florida, a team that nearly missed the playoffs, obviously Green Bay, I mean, right up until the final weekend, looked like they were in a lot of trouble and get hot at the right time. Jordan Love maybe got the Matthew Kachuk sort of becoming we're seeing a superstar emerge at the right yeah. time hey, who knows we'll see we'll see they need to get get a couple more wins to get to the same level the panthers got to but uh yeah that's uh that's not a bad there's like, a, there's like a very loose comparison of of you know florida had the, a big trade in the offseason they let go of their of, of one of their better better players and jonathan huber they mm-hmm. get kachuk in Green Bay, they're doing this after they finally let Aaron Rodgers go. It's it's a very loose comparison. It doesn't work that well, but yeah. maybe you could make that work. I'm not sure. And and Aaron Rodgers this year was about as productive as Jonathan Huberto has been in Calgary the last two years. So I, I mean, if bad, you want to go that far, I, I I understand why you make that comparison. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, Emily also says, now hear me out on this one, guys. The Chicago Blackhawks are the New York Jets. Hear me out. Here's why. They both had a big acquisition in the offseason, crowning mm-hmm. that person king of the city, um, obviously in Connor Bedard and Aaron Rodgers. And now, even though they, they hitched their future of the franchise around one player, the player got injured during the season. Now, one key difference, says Emily, Bedard has a long career ahead of him. Rodgers, lucky to be back on the field. I don't Jet, think both guys are on the both guys were on the Pat McAfee show at some point. There you go. Yeah. That's, I, that's I, that's that one doesn't work as well for me because, I mean, the, it's, as much as Aaron Rodgers might be the face of the Jets, you, you look at the Jets and you think futility. So that's another team that, to me, has to be paired up with a Sabres or, uh, you know, a team like that. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are the New England Patriots, right? They're the team that was racking up championships relatively recently, have fallen on hard times, and now are, you know, the the new leadership, old, old leadership being all swept out. Um, you know, the the greatest coach of the modern era off to the sidelines. And uh the Patriots don't have their Connor Bedard yet, but might by the end of this draft. So I I'll I'll stick to that one. I'll go Hawks, Patriots, also teams that if you're not a fan, you kind of went from feeling sorry for to being completely sick of uh, over the last uh, decade or two. And uh, you're, you're kind of enjoying watching them struggle right now. Yeah. That's actually a much closer comparison than I would have thought of, because you're right. Those fans would be sick of them for stuff on the ice, on the field and off. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, some off ice problems as well, and uh, you know, all over TV, all over the the front and center. Didn't really have a Tom Brady in Chicago, but you know, the Patrick Kane and that not too far, and and got to watch the face of the franchise go and continue his career on uh, on some other team, which you never would have thought would have been possible even a few years ago. So, I like that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on that. Okay, one more from Emily. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the New York Islanders. Because when it comes to the playoffs, they're here for a good time, not a long time. That you know what, not wow. bad. Again, you got the recent championship in uh, in Tampa, but uh, um, that's not bad. I'm trying to think now who's who's the the Lou Lamarillo of the NFL though, and we've already used Jerry Jones. So is, gotta... is Belichick kind of the Lou Lamarillo in a way? Might be. It's yeah. his way or the highway, I guess. We also forget, too, the Islanders are a couple years removed from from conference final appearances or the NHL semifinal, as it was yeah. dubbed in 2021. Like This was a team that was very close to being at a Stanley Cup final, uh, even though they were not expected to go as far as they did. You, you know who else the Islanders give me a vibe of? And let me bounce this off you, because a team that's won a lot of championships and, and all of that, the Steelers, in the sense that it feels like the last couple of years, we're all going like, all right, we're done with these guys as playoff teams. It's time for the new, you know, let's yep. get some new teams in there, everything. And then you get to the playoffs and it's like, are you guys still here? Are you guys still nine and eight? Like the Steelers always are. Are you still a 95 point team like the Islanders? And then you're kind of going, yeah, I guess we sort of forgot about them. And, and yet then you're looking at the playoffs going, this isn't necessarily a team we want to run into. So, I mean, Islander fans maybe. I, I don't know if they're going to take that as a compliment because the Steelers made the playoffs or not be too happy because they, they didn't last too long once they got there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, they got the history. They had the, you know, the the, the dynasties. I'll go maybe Islanders and and, uh, and, Steelers. and Steelers. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I, 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 I can dig it. That works. Old school stuff. All right, Emily, we appreciate the email. Sean, as always, great to have you on the Wednesday edition of the pod. Uh the one upside of the Dallas Cowboys losing in the first round is we don't have to make a Cowboys 49ers playoff bet. This it's sad. This it is. It's disappointing. But I'm telling you, if the 49ers make the Super Bowl, I'm coming to you looking for a uh, looking for a Super Bowl bet. So you got a you got a long off season ahead of you to get yeah. uh, rested up and think of something. But I mean, um, if and when. Who's host? Oh, sorry, uh, I isn't in. Uh, is is the Super Bowl in Vegas this year? Super Bowl's no, in Vegas. no, no. Vegas this but, year. I met between you guys. Oh. Who's hosting the Super Bowl party? Oh, oh, it's usually I, Sean. Yeah, Ian. Ian comes over uh, every oh, nice. uh, every year. So, so every uh, year since uh, Drew Bledsoe yeah. led the Patriots, Patriots uh, Packers, I think against the pa- against the Packers, the Desmond Howard Super Bowl. I think we've watched virtually everyone together since. Yeah, thank you guys. Have so, should be should be good, man. I'm looking forward to it. 49ers, I mean, they got the Packers this week. How hard how hard can that be? If you're yeah. a real contender, right? I mean, you can have the Packers at home for sure. Hey. Who could ever Let's screw that circle. one up? Let's circle yeah. back on this next week. I'll tell exactly. you who could screw that up. The Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL. That's who. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. All right, Sean, thanks for this. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Appreciate Sean McAdoo. Down goes Brian. As uh, as always, great to, to have him on the pod. He's a big NFL guy. So that was fun to kind of to try and uh, marry, those, uh, marry those teams up. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, something that I know you want, I think you put this out on Twitter, Julian, on on Tuesday, is what the LA Clippers are doing uh, for home games. And I think this is an interesting idea. And I'm going to let you explain this to the listeners because they're trying to create an atmosphere at home games for the Clippers. And I'm wondering, A, do you like to explain the idea? But B, can it work in hockey? So the LA Clippers are starting essentially uh, their equivalent of a supporter section. They're calling it the wall. They're taking off, they're, they're, they're closing off a section. Uh, which has like what, like 51 rows, and it's really just for fans. They're not supposed to be cheering for the other team. They can't wear uh, opposing gear. So, like, you know, th- th- these are rule. These are hard rules. If you sit in the wall, that, yeah. And and if you're reselling tickets, uh, I think they can only be resold to other Clippers fans. Uh, essentially, yeah, it's it's their equivalent of a supporter section, which. If you're not familiar with soccer, you're probably looking at this and you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe this is like well, this is one of those student sections in college sports. But in soccer, like this is very much a thing. Even if an even if you're following an MLS team, every one of those teams has some kind of supporter section where I think maybe the tickets are a little bit cheaper than what you'd normally get. 
for for regular pricing and you're just among fans and basically that entire time you're jumping up you're celebrating you're making all these chants like it's a fun time and it's funny that hockey obviously has this place in canadian sports that is so above all these other sports for good and for bad and i just find the fan culture for hockey games in particular in certain markets when you compare it to watching a soccer game out in Europe or even in North America sometimes or even a European hockey game. I don't know if you've seen like either games going on in, yep. in Great Britain or, or Sweden, the way fans get hyped and the way they get energized and the way they chant for their players and the way they go off. Like it's such a different experience. There are times when you go to NHL games and yeah, maybe it has to do a lot with the ticket prices and the type of people who go in there, but also the quality of the team, but it feels like a library. And I thought it would just be cool. I was trying to make the point on Twitter that if fan culture can change in North American with with in North American sports, especially with hockey, then we'd be able to see more stuff like what the LA Clippers are doing. I, I've always thought about this, and I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast. If I had billions of dollars and I wanted to pay that expansion fee to Gary Bettman and start a new NHL team. And I have like my board of directors. I've got my my front office staff. The first thing I would do is I would take them to some Premier League game or some soccer game or even a hockey game out in like Sweden or some European market. And I just want to go to a game where the fans are lit and they're 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 energetic. They're 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 up there. And I would look at my staff and be like, this is what I want my games to feel like. And I think if it, and 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 I think we need something like that for this game in order to to change the vibe at these games and the, the quality of the, the quality of the games the the scoring the players you know we we talk about how they need more personality but I think it, it's as good as we've seen we just need we just need that other side to 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 kind of match that that energy but also yeah I think some ticket prices are going to have to change in order for that to work and I could also respect the fact that. Some people would want to ensure that if there is some kind of section, there needs to be some kind of safety provisions, right? Like I, I saw someone in my mentions trying to make the 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 analogy with college student sections, where a lot of bad stuff does happen in those areas. And, you, and if you are a supporter, if you're in a supporter section, there needs to be no tolerance rules for any type of assault or 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 violence or anything like that. We don't want you wouldn't want hooliganism as we sometimes see elsewhere but like I, I think if you find a way to change up the culture for fans at hockey games it makes the sport better and I, I i think this is just another example of another league another sport another league doing something different and maybe the nhl should look at it do you remember the tampa bay lightning at amelie arena had a section in which fans were not allowed but it was like a premium section like a, like almost like a luxury suite but an area of the arena where you were not allowed to wear anything other than Tampa Bay gear. And it's, I think it was the playoff series against the Panthers a couple of years ago, the year that the Panthers won the president's trophy and then Tampa bounced them. Right. That there was a video. Remember this? There's a Panthers fan who went to the game, tried to sit in that section wearing a Panthers jersey and then security descended upon this guy and his son and said, you better get out of here. Take off the Panthers gear. And they threatened that they would phone the police. And it I turned missed into, that. That's crazy. So it turned into a whole thing. And if memory serves me, Julian, the 
Lightning rescinded the policy and said, you know what? It's an outdated policy. You know, when we first came into the league, our fan base has grown. We don't need this policy anymore. And I wonder, with the Clippers or anybody else, will somebody try to sit there and say, hey, man, this is America. You can't tell me what to do, and it's going to turn into a litigious nightmare or something dumb like that. But I love the idea of it. I think it's great. I, think it's I great. love the idea of it, too. But now you've just put in my head the idea that a bunch of Lakers fans would buy yes. tickets to that section. And all of a sudden, you, you're watching a Clippers-Lakers game, uh, and then, bam, you're just seeing just a mix of those two. I don't know. Like, uh, it, it, in theory, like it should work, but you're right. It, you do open yourself up to having people who have nothing to do with the team in those sections. Yeah. Anyway, we would love to hear from you, the Athletic Hockey Show. At gmail.com, if your NHL team was starting a fan section, would you love it? Maybe give us the nickname of the fan section, right? They're calling it the wall with the Clippers. What would it be for your favorite team? We'd love to hear from you, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. As we wrap this up, we want to uh, tip our hat to Cody Hodgson. What a great story this is, the former first-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks at 34. Julian is saying, I'm going to give it one more shot. He has signed a PTO. With the Milwaukee Admirals. What a great story. Uh, as Cody Hodgson, who just was beset by injuries in his in his 20s, never quite got to the level that I think he wanted to get to, but says, you know what? I'm gonna go out on my own terms. I love it. He's gonna give it who knows where it ends up, but he's in he's in Milwaukee. I hope it works out for him, man. Uh seeing his name in the news, I had to do a little bit a little bit of a double take and go back to the times when he was playing for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Like, that's where the name really blew up in this country, in Canada, right? Cody Hodgson. And he bounced around in Vancouver and Buffalo. And you're right, the injuries kind of holds him back. But for him to end up back uh, trying to play pro hockey at some level, he's, what, like 34 years old? Like, I I think that could be a cool story. I hope he sticks on on the Milwaukee Admirals and he's able to play at some high enough level where he can at least hang out in the HL for like a year or two or however long he wants to. I'm all for that too. I I I I also agree. It's a really good story. Yeah. So um, we're, we're we're cheering for him. Would love to see him back in the NHL, even just for a game. But good for Cody Hudson for uh, for signing that PTO. All right. That is all the time we have for the Thursday, uh, the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Thursday show comes your way with Max Boltman, Sean Gentili, Haley Salvian. Uh, I was actually able to grab a coffee. <laughs> Excuse me, Julian. Grab a coffee with Haley Salvian. In Ottawa, How's she this doing? Week. so she's uh, in town covering the uh, PWHL. So it was great to connect with Haley, and she will awesome. have the, the Thursday show with Gentilian Bolton, three-headed monster. Yeah, look at that man! Like what a what a good crop of guy, what a good crop of people covering yeah. that show. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's always a great show. It is the Thursday show. Haley Salvian, Max Bolton, Sean Gentilly, they will be on deck on. Thursday. Thanks for listening to Julian and I this week and the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Leave us a five-star rating and review. You know the two of us would certainly appreciate that. You can follow us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Right now, you get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit athletic.com slash hockey show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.